Update. Hello, welcome to another edition of New York Update. This is Jake Jacobs. We're going to talk about education and news and politics here in New York State and beyond. Today's election day, it's November 5th, Tuesday, November 5th. Uh, one year from today is going to be the big 2020 election. That's going to mean so much more. Presidential races, Congress, State Senate, legislative, everything, city council, all the way down to dog catcher. So, yeah, we're going to find out some results later tonight. Not a lot going on. You have DA races, and then you have legislative, town legislative races and county legislative races. Sorry it's not too exciting. But, yeah, next year will be uh, multiplied. First thing we'd like to talk about is going to be the congressional race right here in Rockland County. This is the district that Nita Lowy has held the, the seat in Congress for 30 years, and she has announced that she's, she's not going to be running for re-election. We interviewed on this show Lola Osoria, who uh, stepped into the race briefly, and then Mondaire Jones announced that he was running for the seat. He was running against Lowy for a while, but then Lowy announced that she's dropping out. Since then, two people have announced that they're running for the seat. One is an assemblyman from Westchester, uh, the northern Westchester area, like the Mount Kisco area, and his name is David Buckwald. I don't know too much about him, but I hear he's pretty centrist. The other person that entered the race is our own Senator David Carlucci, and he's a New York State senator, so he's basically an Albany legislator, and he's been in that seat since 2010. He has had his eye on Nita Lowy's congressional seat for a long time. Uh, she's 80, I want to say 83, maybe 81, 83, not sure exactly, but she's gotten up there. So he has been waiting in the wings, and it didn't matter to him that Mondaire Jones had already announced he was in the race this past summer. He's going to be getting into the race. You know, it remains to be seen where... Carlucci's loyalties lie. He's a super nice guy every time you talk to him. Very agreeable, very friendly, uh, very polite. But he has a checkered past because of his affiliation with the IDC. And we spoke about that at length on this show. They were voted out of office in 2018. The IDC was a coalition of eight New York State senators who had a power-sharing agreement with the Republicans. So in the 2018 election... Six out of eight lost, and David Colucci was one that's actually survived. And he is a sitting state senator. He should be running for re-election in his state senate seat to hold that seat and make sure a Republican doesn't get it. Instead, he's going to be running for Nita Lowy's seat for Congress. Even though he has two young kids, I don't know why you would want to leave your family behind. I don't know, maybe they'll all move together. It's as it is. He goes to Albany like every week, and uh, I guess he's just home on the weekends. I don't know how that works personally. That would suck as a dad. But he's running for the seat. A couple of grassroots groups here in Rockland County. One of them is called Rockland United. And we're going to play a little video clip here of somebody from Rockland United. This is um, David Carlucci, and this was on the 15th of October. He was at a forum that was talking about fair elections and how they're going to change the process. He was asked repeatedly whether or not he would swear off corporate PAC money. And so let's hear a little bit of that as uh, a woman by the name of Ivanya is asking him if he will take a pledge not to take corporate PAC money in the next campaign. Reason being, Mondaire Jones has already sworn off corporate PAC money. And so let's hear his response. Uh, 
forward, that's what I'm, I'm looking at. I see that, like, the, the current path. So is that, is that a commitment that uh, you, I'm, yourself, in future races, will not no, take looking, corporate money? No, I'm looking at it right now. I think I'm going to do that. That makes sense. Um, I'm seriously okay, considering okay, the run okay, to replace the low and, uh, okay. I think that makes so a lot of sense. So your challenger in that race, Andre yeah. Jones, does yeah. not take any right, corporate money? Right, I saw that. Money. That's great. Are you, if you enter the race, will you commit to the same? I think I will. I think I will. I'm looking at it seriously. I don't need to know. You know, it could be last week, and I have to look through the campaign finance um, requirements and all that because it's a totally different system. Um, it looks like it's a better system in terms of more accountability and all that. Well, it's totally that different than what you're already doing with the donors that you have, right? Well, like the, uh, the filing process and all that, yeah. Like the filing process, but yeah. I think that's Okay, so let's pause it there. She has asked him, and he has said, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, that sounds great. It's lovely. I'm going to take a look at that. He's saying everything except for <laughs> except for answering your question, or, or you know, or except for taking the pledge. Yes, I will not take a corporate PAC money. So listen closely. She's going to get very specific as to some of his current donors, and watch how he defends this. Filings, and you're still taking a lot of money from people doing business before the Senate, right? Uh, not before the Senate, no, absolutely not. I wouldn't do that. Um, but all, all types of uh, different organizations. But, I mean, you've been taking money from your distributors and I think who else? Like, well, this type Okay, I would like to do that. I think it makes sense. I'm seriously considering it. He also slipped and he said running for Nidaloa. He meant running for Nidaloa's seat. So yeah, that is what they call slippery as an eel. The reason why he isn't just saying yes is because... He has to decide whether or not he, he's going to take corporate PAC money. His competitor, Mondaire Jones, has already taken the pledge. And as we see on the national level, it is entirely possible to run a viable campaign using small donations. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, a number of other people, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ran for Congress. Right now, we're seeing Jamal Bowman down in the Bronx and Westchester is doing it. They're, they're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so we know it's possible. The question is, is he going to do it? She asked him right there, um, is it okay for you to take money from uh, doctors groups like psychiatry groups when you are the chair of the mental health committee? He said, no, I would never take money uh, from, you know, interests who has business before the Senate. It's exactly what he's doing. There's a group of doctors that uh, kind of pitch together from the from Rockland Psychiatric or Clinic or Crystal Run. And they are some big donors to him. And he is the chair of the mental health committee. You know, maybe he should be declining those kind of monies. But, you know, that's just showing us, you know, where we are. It's really interesting, and I really applaud Ivanya 
for getting a microphone in front of this guy's face and asking him his question, getting him on the record, putting it online. I wish this had, you know, a lot more hits and this went viral, but, you know, this is small-town politics. He's only a state senator. He is running for a House seat, so maybe this will get bigger and bigger. Maybe this will be the kind of thing that we bookmark for now and we come back to later. But basically, he was asked three times if he'll refuse corporate PAC money, and he said, I want to, I'm looking at it, I think I will, I would like to do that, it makes sense, (laughs) right? And mind you, he was coming out of a forum for fair elections, and he was literally holding a sign (laughs) when she was asking him this, and the sign said, fair elections now. So that happened, so uh, we're going to keep an eye on that race. So this is about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. We know that Elizabeth Warren has released her education plan, and it was very similar to Bernie's. She said she was going to quadruple federal funding for impoverished schools. Bernie said he would triple it. But the really big deal was where Elizabeth Warren's education plan said that she is going to end federal funding for new charter schools. And so there was a piece in the Washington Post... And it's talking about how the charter school industry are mighty angry. So there's a piece by Valerie Strauss, came out October 30th, and the charter supporters are basically out of their minds. They were kind of hoping that Warren would be a little more open to charter schools because Lord knows they don't want Bernie Sanders, right? Charter schools, who are the backers behind charter schools? These are hedge fund managers. These are billionaires. These are tech entrepreneurs. You know, it's people like Lorene Powell Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates for sure, but also Bloomberg, also Bezos. I mean, literally the richest people on the planet. I feel like before Elizabeth Warren's education plan came out, they kind of saw her as a fallback to Bernie Sanders, right? It's it's very possible that Joe Biden doesn't do well. You know, he's very gaff-prone. He's old. He has a lot of baggage. He, he's been leading in polls, but it's not a commanding lead, and nobody's sure which way this is going to go. Bernie and Warren, you know, they're all hovering around 20%. Maybe, you know, Biden's got 20 to 25%. And this is the way it's been. The polls have been holding steady for months and months all through the summer. You know, with just little variations here and there. They say that Buttigieg is making a move in Iowa. You know, that's only one state. And so, you know, it remains to be seen. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. But I think that the establishment, right, the corporate donors and, you know, the big money folks really saw Elizabeth Warren as their fallback because they they knew for sure they didn't want Bernie. Bernie is just going to tax the hell out of millionaires and billionaires and corporations And, you know, they figured, like, well, Elizabeth Warren, you know, says she's a capitalist. You know, she probably wouldn't do it all at once. Maybe they could work with her. You know, it would definitely be preferable to electing Bernie Sanders. Well, now that she's come out with her charter school plan, and believe me, there has been pressure on Elizabeth Warren to to really take a strong position against charter schools. For a long time, it's been speculated that her education advisor who was a former TFA alumnus, was advising her and was going to advise her to favor charter schools and favor standardized testing and education reform and corporate stuff. And she came out very strong against it, very, very, very strong against it. So now some of the wealthiest people in the country are thinking twice about Elizabeth Warren. 
which means they're going to have to go back and put their eggs in a different basket. Whether that means Biden, you know, which you would expect, or maybe them trying to prop up Pete Buttigieg and, and, or Cory Booker or Kamala and, and trying to make them the next corporate dem. So a day after Elizabeth Warren's announcement, I'm reading from the Post, the pro-charter Center for Education Reform issued a press release attacking her. They said, in part, this week is seeing Elizabeth Warren's education stances go from disastrous to downright awful. Yesterday, she released a plan filled with failed policies of the past that put narrow special interests over parents' rights and students' opportunities to succeed. That is total spin of propaganda, right? (laughs) What they call special interests are parents and teachers and students. Give me a break. They're the special interests. These are the guys with the do-re-mi. So in the Washington Post, a response was written by Carol Burris, who is the director of NPE, Network for Public Education, And she spoke about specifically the U.S. Department of Education's charter schools program. That is a grant program that has given out billions of dollars, you know, over the last 10, 15 years. And she put out, NPE put out a report that showed about 30% of that money was totally wasted that because it went to schools that either never opened or quickly closed. And so it went right down the drain. Warren is now the second of three leading contenders for the Democratic Party's nomination who have promised to shut down the charter school program. And Bernie is, oh, she is the second of the three leading contenders who is also doing what Bernie called for, basically a moratorium on the program. All right, now this is basically the NAACP moratorium, even though she didn't call them out by name. Bernie says the NAACP moratorium by name, but she just said that she wants to end all funding for new charter schools. It's basically the same thing. So uh, the charter PACs started freaking out, and they sent out a fundraising email. The National Alliance for Public Charter Schools sent out an email that said, Dear friends, today presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren called to end federal funding for the expansion of charter schools. You know, and then, uh, you know, there's some propaganda in there. Please contribute to the PAC today. We need a strong charter school pack to reinforce our mission. I'm writing today for your help. Give today and share what you're fi- with five friends. Now, this pack or this uh, policy group, which is a nonprofit, has an income of about $13 million a year. They have a vested interest in the continuance of the charter school program because they receive those grants. And even though they're not actually opening up a school, they do not run schools. They're just kind of like a, a like consulting group or a, a shepherding group. What do you call it? Like a guidance group. You know, they help charter schools open up. And in 2018, the U.S. Department of Education under Secretary Betsy DeVos awarded the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools a grant of $2,385,000, okay? That was just one year. The funding came because of a new funding stream established in 2018 called the National Dissemination Grants Program. It does not fund charter school, but rather organizations such as the National Alliance, right? So they are directly getting money from Betsy DeVos, and they want this program to continue so they can keep getting millions of dollars. Do they care about kids in schools? I don't know, but they're definitely getting a lot of money, millions of dollars. Also, and this is why Carol Burris is so great, since 2010, this National Alliance for Public Charter Schools has spent 
$2.6 million lobbying Congress and the White House for funding for charter schools, with mu- much of that funding being directed at the expansion of the federal charter schools program. Right, so they got $2.3 million in 2018, and over the last seven, eight years, they have spent $2.6 million on lobbying to try to get money like that, right? You know, they're spending a couple of hundred grand a year to try to get a couple of million per year. So they have a perverse incentive to do this. The Washington Post asked them to comment. So the Charter Schools Action Pack responded by saying that Warren's campaign is a direct assault on charter schools. And it's just basically the same language. Uh, When attacked, our supporters have no choice but to respond on behalf of all families who want high-quality educational options for the kids. That's kind of disingenuous because charter schools only serve about 6% of the families in the country. All families. Give me a break. Another group called IDEA, I-D-E-A, charter schools, sent an email that copied the first email. And this guy's name is Tom Torkelson. He's the CEO of IDEA Charter Schools. And he forwarded the first email and kind of tacked on his own thoughts. Now, these guys have received $225 million from the charter schools program, a quarter of a billion dollars since 2010. That's about eight years' time. 2018, IDEA had nearly $900 million in assets. That year, the CEO Torkelson earned over $550,000 from the charter chain. These guys are loaded. They're, they're millionaires. They're getting richer and richer, and they're getting money from these charter school programs. No wonder Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders want to shut them down. But this is what we're. This is what they're saying. They're, the language is, oh, the special interests are cutting off opportunities for for you know low income families. Give me a break. You know, really interesting article in the Washington Post. The article, if, if you want to check it out, is called "Elizabeth Warren Made Charter School Supporters Mighty Angry." Now they are targeting her. When you break it down, they're just after that that do re mi. They're, right? They're looking for the money, and so good on. Elizabeth Warren, and okay, this charter schools program, which started in 1995, has turned into a massive giveaway with many, many examples of waste and fraud. They've spent more than $4.1 billion in public funding. You know, now they're starting to fund, you know, not just charter schools, but ancillary programs for dissemination and facilities funding. This is how they jerk people around. In, in Warren's state of Massachusetts, there were 74 charter schools. They were given federal grants between 2006 and 2014. Fifteen of them never opened, and eight of them were shut down. Hardly a resounding success. That represents over $4.6 million in federal funds going to charter experiments that failed. Uh, you know, so, you know, Elizabeth Warren is dead on to be doing what she's doing, and she should get a little more credit for that. We support either uh, Bernie Sanders' plan, which is very strong, or Elizabeth Warren's plan, which is just about as strong. All right, this tweet, so this must have been Sunday. We wrote, all wrong, a new Republican bill to prevent mass shootings makes schools monitor every student's private social media and enriches third-party monitoring software vendors. And if shooters just stop posting online, what then? 
we all know that there's been an epidemic of school shootings, right? We got people just coming into schools loaded up with AKs and bulletproof vests, and they just start massacring people. And this has happened again and again, and they're afraid that it's going to keep on happening. <clears throat> Donald Trump has originally announced that he was going to do something and that the, he was going to put in common sense background checks. As I speak, he has completely reversed that position. He has dropped it. He said he was going to do it. He lied. His uh, supporters believed him, and now he's not talking about it at all. What has happened is a long-awaited Republican proposal, okay? And Senator John Cornyn of Texas has introduced a Republican-backed bill to help prevent mass shootings, and this just happened last Wednesday. It's called RESPONSE, the RESPONSE Act, which stands for the Restoring Enhancing strengthening and promoting our nation's safety efforts act response it has several republican co-sponsors and it bundles together some of the top gop proposals to combat mass shootings all into one bill it would expand resources for mental health treatment which is good i agree with that it would facilitate the creation of behavioral intervention teams to monitor students exhibiting disturbing behavior and offer new tools for law enforcement. That I don't agree with. I would agree if they were giving uh, local districts and small cities and, and maybe even large cities funding to do that, like the NYPD, but I don't want that to happen on the federal level. The worst idea I ever heard, to have a federally created behavioral intervention team to monitor students? Give me a break. Reading. The bill's school safety proposals are a response to years of school shootings perpetrated by young people described as isolated and troubled. But advocates have raised flags over the Response Act's requirement that schools begin the monitoring, be, that schools begin to monitor their computer networks to detect the online activities of minors who are at risk of committing extreme violence against others or self-harm. Right? So there it is. They drop right into the lap of the local schools, you know, the day-to-day -day monitoring, right? The local schools are now required to monitor every single kid on all their social media activity. <laughs> every single kid, we have to go on their Facebook and Snapchat and, Fa and Twitter and Instagram, and we have to be monitoring all this? you got to be kidding me. Under Cornyn's legislation, nearly all federally funded schools in the U.S. would be required to install software to surveil students' online activities, potentially including their emails and their searches in order to flag violent or alarming content. Now, I'm assuming they mean the school email, and this is stuff done on school computers because I don't know how the federal government could do that to kids in their private homes, even if they wanted to. But this is alarming enough. We're monitoring kids' searches. How do we know that a kid that signed in to Google is the one pressing the buttons at that particular moment? How do we know that he didn't step away and another kid is pressing the buttons? This is one of the most ridiculous proposals. The proposal would significantly expand the Children's Internet Protection Act, a 2000 law that is mostly interpreted today as blocking children from looking up pornography on school computers. Privacy experts and education groups have resisted similar efforts at the state level, saying that the level of social media and network surveillance can discourage children from speaking their minds online and would disproportionately result in punishment against children of color who already face high punishment rates in school. 
I mean, yeah, this is really frightening. I mean, did you catch that part about, you know, schools would be required to install software? So that means one of these software manufacturing groups is going to get a contract for every single school district in the country, a license for every student. So, yeah, that's like millions and billions of dollars that are all going to go to some private company. Give me a break. And then, you know, who's going to decide what the filters are? How are we going to know what they're red flagging? You know, maybe they're saying, oh, you know, red flagging language like I'm going to blow up the school. But maybe the red flagging language like Donald Trump's an asshole. Who knows if this is all done, you know, without any public input, say so, monitoring, oversight. So the, the, this is the big conflict, right? We have these real big trade-offs between children's privacy and school safety. And these Republicans are obviously bending over backwards not to do anything with gun control, right? Not even the background checks that Donald Trump promised after the last shooting. A previous draft of this bill circulated in September and obtained by The Hill would have asked schools to monitor children's online activity, although the, the, the current version, it's not sure if that's included the exact same language. Schools are being asked to operate a technology protection measure, and a lot of this would be automated because you cannot imagine the labor involved for teachers or administrators having to sift through kids' online activities. It's ridiculous. The National PTA, surprisingly, issued a statement in support of this bill. They say, we applaud Senator Cornyn for taking on this critically important issue. We don't know if they're just brown-nosing to try and get some provisions in there. They say, while we have concerns with the bill as it is currently written, we look forward to working with him and his staff to protect students, to not increase the school-to-prison pipeline, to help them get mental health and counseling support. Social media monitoring has spiked dramatically over the past five years as the country works to get a handle on school violence. An analysis by the Brennan Center for Justice found 63 school districts across the country purchased social media monitoring software last year, an increase from six districts five years ago. The efforts have been a windfall for the top software companies in the monitoring market, which have made millions of dollars as state and local governments ask schools to draw up more defenses. Critics of Cornyn's bill say those monitoring programs do not appear to have made any difference, resulting in more work for school administrators and less privacy for students and nothing in return. So yeah, the Response Act has received also endorsements from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Treatment Advocacy Center, and a range of law enforcement organizations. Obviously, those are pro-gun operations there. Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa said in a statement, the bill takes a step in the right direction. And, yeah, the GOP, they're they're basically just trying to avoid the gun control issue. There have been almost 300 mass shootings in the U.S. since the beginning of 2019. That is incredible, right? We're just in November. 300 mass shootings this year including several widely publicized attacks with high casualty counts. In August alone, there were three mass shootings resulting in dozens of deaths. The co-sponsors of the response bill include Senators Martha McSally from Arizona, Tom Tillis from North Carolina, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, and Tim Scott, all Republicans. So yeah, obviously I'm against that. This is an incredibly bad idea. We'll keep you updated. And, yeah, this one really got me angry. Uh, We just heard about this one day ago. This was yesterday. There was a tweet online by Gary Stern from the Journal News. 
he announced that in New York State, we have these testing requirements. If you want to graduate, any kid in the state that wants to graduate high school has to pass five regents exams. You got to take an English regents, a history regents. I think foreign language used to be required. I don't know if it is anymore. You know, you got to pass math, science. You know, there's five regents exams. A lot of kids pass all their classes, but they can't seem to pass these regents exams. And it's really expensive to hold these kids over when they passed all the classes, did all the coursework, but they didn't pass these regents exams. You know, it's a lot of kids with language deficiency or disabilities, and there was a lot of pushback, and they did reinstate what they call local diplomas. So they, um, some counties, some school districts, now you can just get a regular high school diploma. It doesn't have to be a regents diploma. But in other areas, you have to pass the regents. So New York State sat down finally. They said, we're going to take a look at this whole issue. And they convened a panel to review the policy on testing and graduation requirements. And I know somebody on the panel. One of the uh, ladies from uh, the steering committee of NYSAPE is on the panel. And she's an activist from Ossining. And so she's been keeping an eye out. Well, we found out from the Journal News reporter that this panel is going to include Achieve Incorporated, which is the pro-testing corporate nonprofit that originally developed the Common Core Standards. And how these guys got on this panel, I don't understand. But it seems to be a backroom decision by the acting commissioner, uh, Elizabeth Berlin, who is also on the way out. Now, it was only a couple of weeks ago that Commissioner Mary Ellen Elia resigned and we and so uh, Beth Berlin was put in as the acting commissioner. Since then, or around the same time, nine education department officials, New York State education department officials, have resigned. Some people say it's a mass exodus because the anti-testing movement is, you know, breaking their backs. Right? They they don't want to stick around if they're not going to be able to, you know, keep administering these tests. So somehow, some way, Achieve Inc. got put into this panel. And at the same time, we find out that a $100,000 donation was made from the Gates Foundation to hire a project manager who will support the work of Achieve Incorporated. Now, this is another sick thing. Why are they taking money from a pro-testing, pro-education reform, pro-charter foundation, and they're going to pretend that there's no conflict of interest here? Berlin, uh, Acting Commissioner Berlin, put out a statement saying, yes, we are taking the money, it's going to be supporting our work, but there's no conflict of interest. Well, give me a break. Does anybody seriously believe that? Do you believe that? (laughs) Does anybody believe that? So uh, this was just yesterday, and it's already starting to ruffle some feathers. There was a piece that came out about this in Newsday uh, late last night, if anybody wants to check that out, but... Yes, so we should be up in arms because here we see, you know, a process where the New York State Education Department and the Board of Regents was supposed to be convening this panel, was supposed to have stakeholder input, was supposed to be democratic, was supposed to be responsive and inclusive to the people, and here we're seeing that they're planting corporate stooges on the panel. We just found out about this yesterday, and they think it's okay. I don't think so. So people should tweet uh, NYSED, N-Y-S-E-D-N-E-W-S, NYSED News. That's the State Education Department. And tell them what you think about these corporate infiltrators uh, insinuating themselves into the process. They're buying, they're, they're buying access. They're buying their way in.
Okay, so, uh, actually it was Saturday. I went down to Madison Square Garden. There was a bunch of protesters there, that, and, and I just wanted to check this out. I was actually downtown already, and my wife told me, hey, do you look on Twitter, there's a, a whole bunch of people that are going to be protesting Trump. So Trump was going to uh, Madison Square Garden. He was going to be attending a mixed martial arts match. That's where two guys get into a ring and they kick the hell out of each other. It's a big sold-out crowd. So some Trump protests were going on up on 125th Street, and they decided to, when they heard that Trump and his sons were going to be attending Madison Square Garden event, they decided to move it downtown. And so they said it was going to be starting at 6 o'clock. That's when I went down there. It was really interesting. I got to kind of debate face-to-face with some Trump supporters, and that was really interesting. I kind of, you know, we were just like kind of standing there toe-to-toe yelling at each other for a little while, which is always fun. But yeah, there was, I, w- I want to say there was about 25 people that were um, protesting on 7th Avenue and 34th Street. They had these big signs. They had walked from downtown. And then up on 8th Avenue, there was another group. So the first group on 8th Avenue was, um, was called RefuseFascism.org. And they had a little bit of a larger crowd. The, the other group up on 7th Avenue was called Rise and Resist, who I have heard of, and we have worked with them before. You know, they're definitely an anti-Trump group. So they had signs that said, impeach Trump and remove him and all this. And so they were standing outside protesting. And then the Trump supporters came. So there was these counter-protesters. And I only count, you know, they had big flags and signs and banners. And I only counted about maybe like 10 or 15 of them at the most. There was one lady that said women for Trump and Latinos for Trump. And they had all these like little signs. But it wasn't a big group. You know, they were wearing kind of like weird hats and all this. And so I did go up and talk to them. It was really interesting. I'm going, uh, is this it right here? Yeah. protesters down around uh, the 8th Avenue side, but here on 7th Avenue, um, there's a lot of people going into the wrestling event. It's only six, about 6.15 now, and a bunch of people were he- holding up signs on this side that said uh, Trump should go home. The other organization is called, uh, is called resistfascism.org, but this organization over there is called Rise and Resist. And there's maybe only like seven or ten people there. Then the Trump people came by. I I witnessed (laughs) um, people down there are selling tickets illegally. And people up there are drinking illegally. They're like pouring uh, whiskey down their throats in in the middle of the street. I don't care. But I'm just saying there is no enforcement of quality of life things. That truck up there has barricades. They were expecting a much bigger response, but people are going to be arguing here about the Trump. Let's see what they're saying. Who do you think is going to pay for all the shit? You will. The middle class will, not only the rich. 
precedent was that every candidate that wants to get the votes of the American people shows them so they can say, I have nothing to hide. Sir, is it legal precedent? It's legal, but we just just said ethical. Where is it in writing? What you were just saying about ethical, right? It's not legal. Wait, wait. And you came at me for saying... I didn't come at you. He's ethically legal. You just... Tax returns, right? Right. Why can't he be a better candidate? I think you guys have accepted that he's just ethically wrong and are kind of looking past... Yeah, you don't care about ethics? He's not a good person. He's ethically wrong. You said it yourself. He said he said it's good to grab people by the pussy. He didn't say it's good. Yeah, he said I do he it all the time. They let me do they let me do it all the time. He says you can do it, you that's sexual assault. Do you not talk dirty? I'm not the president. So why are the standards different for you than the president? He's not grabbing anybody. He didn't touch anybody. Why didn't why didn't your ethics kick in when he said that? You choose the people that you choose to lead you are not the regular people. Really? So we're not creating So then Trump is above the law. No, he's not above the law. Why? Because he's a person under the Constitution, correct? Trump is supposed to be held. He has more responsibility, exactly. What is he responsible for? The country. Okay, and what's your Commander in chief. We can't trust him. He's taking money from other countries. You like your president taking money from other countries? Why doesn't he show his tax returns? Uh, yes. I think that you guys have just they wanted to build a tower in Moscow. He was down with that. That's why Cohen is in jail. That's his, that's his, that's his personal lawyer. Man, that's your candidate? A personal lawyer's in jail? His campaign manager's in jail? Who, Manafort or Cohen? Which one are you talking about? Uh, Trump needs to go to jail because he solicited help from a foreign government for interference in elections. If it's proven that he solicited Ukraine for help to get Biden out of the race and embarrass him, because Biden, because Biden's quid pro quo was for the American people, it was for the the EU, and it was a. Those ideas are coming right out of his head. I think policy is secret. But the things that are coming right out of his head is when he gets with Rudy Giuliani and Ukraine. Dude, all the whistleblowers have testified. Four or five whistleblowers testified this week. That all he cared about was his campaign. He didn't care about real corruption. His sons took money from every country. His PAC took money from Ukraine, and he's paying off members of the Senate right now to not vote against him on the team. Just had that dude for lunch. Well, I don't know about that. Basically, just arguing on the street. So that other voice you heard was like a kid. He was he was only like fourteen, maybe fifteen years old. And I don't know where he's from. You know, there's a lot of tourists down there in front of Madison Square Garden. Now, and imagine, like, this is a huge stadium when people are piling in. Trump wasn't supposed to be scheduled to be there until 9 o'clock at night. I had left by then. Um, I actually went to go get some food and came back, and I saw the protesters were e- they either left or they were made to leave by the cops. Yeah, there was a contingent of Trump supporters there, and, you know, I tried to speak with them, tried to reason with them. I actually, you know, shook hands with one guy. We didn't shake hands. We fist bumped at the other time. I said, you know what, good luck, because this is all going to come out in court, and we have a process. We have justice, we have courts, you know, we have a system of democracy, and it's all working its way out. And I said, good luck, (laughs) I can't wait to hear 
you know, the defense on your side. I didn't do the greatest job, maybe, of arguing out there in the street. I was trying, I don't, you know, I was list- trying to listen to like two different people at once and talking over people. It's probably bad to just, you know, sit there and argue with people. It's not productive, but sometimes you feel compelled. And, you know, when I went down there, I thought it was going to be a much, much bigger protest, honestly. I was surprised how small it was. It was only couple of dozen people there, you know, from a couple different groups. And then there was the counter-protesters. But what happened, if you're following the news, is that Trump did make the appearance. He came, uh, you know, much later on. It might have been even after 10 o'clock. And the audience uh, that was present in the stadium booed him. And uh, there's been videos posted online of Trump getting booed. It was kind of a mixed crowd, so the boos were mixed in, and the other people were trying to, like, just make a whole bunch of noise to cover up the fact that Trump was getting booed. But he was getting booed because some of the people that were filming it were booing. (laughs) Yeah, this follows Trump getting booed at World Series, which was a horrible idea. Why did he go there? Dick Cheney was booed at, at, at a Washington Nationals game, and it wasn't even the World Series. So why would Trump go when it's the World Series? And so he's having a bad week. You know, I'm just reading some live tweets saying that there's reports of arguing, of intense arguing going on within the Oval Office. So, boy, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall there? And, yeah, as I was telling the gentleman, you know, these guys are like, name the crime it's like uh, obstruction of justice, um, interference with a foreign election, uh, you know, tax evasion, bank fraud, loan origination fraud. You know, Trump can get arrested as soon as he leaves office. Right now you have the Justice Department standing down because of the OLC memo. But just yesterday, federal courts uh, started to say we don't recognize that in the, in the court system. And it looks like Trump's attempt to con- keep his taxes concealed has been failing and failing. So far, he's lost every single court case. And the next circuit it w- would have to be the Supreme Court. And so um, they're talking about Trump is running out of options as these things wind their way through. And so uh, I try to avoid the Trump impeachment saga on this show. But, you know, sometimes life <laughs> kind of creeps in. All right, so our last little item here is this was just Sunday. Uh, Jamal Bowman, uh, who was a candidate in the 16th district, which is Lower Westchester and the Bronx and parts of the Bronx, he is uh, gunning for the seat of Elliot Engel, who, uh, speaking of Trump, is the chairman of the House Foreign Relations Committee. And so he is in the news a little bit, but honestly, he's not a very bombastic speaker. Uh, he doesn't get on the news clips. He's, you know, he's been one of these lay-low congressmen forever, and it's kind of disappointing that he's the chair of that committee when it could be some, like, you know, fire-breathing person like, you know, Nina Turner or something like that. Anyway, Jamal Bowman did an appearance in Mount Vernon, New York, this Sunday, where he was endorsed by Zephyr Teachout, the great candidate the, for governor who got 30% in a primary, over 30% in a primary against Governor Cuomo without any money. Came out of nowhere for after she lost the Working Family Party endorsement. So Zephyr Teachout is a Fordham Law professor who is one of the foremost experts on constitutional uh, on corruption, on actual corruption, like um, gifts and emoluments and things like that. And she is the lead plaintiff in, she's one of the lead plaint, co-plaintiffs in the actual emoluments lawsuit. 
and I asked her about that uh, at, at this event on Sunday. So she was there to endorse Jamal Bowman for Congress. It's her first endorsement in this cycle. They really saw eye to eye on education uh, policy. Zephyr Teachout was in favor of opting out of standardized tests and parents uh, exercising their right to uh, have their kids refuse the testing. Um, and Jamal Bowman is a Bronx principal who was an outspoken proponent of that um, and encouraged all the parents in the schools to opt out and went on the Daily News and did op-eds. So she endorsed him on Sunday, and Jamal Bowman released his 26-point education plan, which uh, I've read through, and uh, it's, it's excellent. Um, it's a lot of the same stuff that Bernie and Warren have in their plans. Uh, he would end the federal funding for new standardized, uh, for, uh, for new charter schools. Um, he would end the federal mandate for standardized testing. Um, he actually mentions that he would prefer just uh, relying on the low-stakes NAEP tests, which are only given in 4th and 8th grade, which sounds like a great compromise to me. He obviously wants to make uh, public colleges free. He said he wants to forgive all student debt, and he had uh, quite a few other great policies for education around um, restorative justice and um, ending the school to prison pipeline, fair funding, and, and on and on. So that was it. Uh, it was a pretty good event. I made a couple of signs and they took a bunch of pictures, so that's all online too. Uh, we're going to end for today. We will be back again next Tuesday at 7 p.m., and we will be able to report the results of tonight's elections. Until then, uh, this is Jake Jacobs for New York Update, nyupdate.org.